We're at episode 110 of the Chattering Class. As a reminder, if you want to get in contact with me, email me, ask some questions. Um, we'll be answering some listener questions in the future episodes. How exciting. Uh, or you want to be on the podcast and you don't have any other way of contacting me, then you can email us at chatteringpod at gmail.com. Chatteringpod at gmail.com. And now I'm going to talk with Hannah Van Brown, if you remember, episode 90. Let's get to it. <laughs> oh, straight into it. Wow, just like that. So tell me about your pajamas. Are they satin? Is that what I'm looking at? Yeah, these are my these are my very fancy, you know, Peter Alexander's. Oh yes. Yeah, I, it, a treat for myself. Let's just say. Ah. Because when you're like a parent or a single parent, and like all of your money goes to buying all of your kids' shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so this is a treat to have a pair of Peter Alexander pajamas. Not my only pair now, mind you. I have another pair which is also a favorite. It's Disney. Um, yeah. It's a Disney flannelette set. Lovely. Yes. So. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Well, I bought myself an an, an Udi because I was Ooh. a holdout. I was the only holdout in right. my family. My girls had them. My wife had one. My. Hang on. <laughs> let me, I'll show you what this is. What I used yeah, to wear. Hang it. on a sec. <laughs> oh wow that's very yeah, kind that's of, right it's either like pimp daddy kind of met yep. hugh hefner yeah it's a leopard print bathrobe <laughs> my wife bought it for me for my <laughs> i think second wedding anniversary oh, i want to say okay uh and she oh. bought it for me Hi, Matt. Hey, hey, oh, look, hey. he's very blurry. See, that's he's in blurry background, man. I oh, know. Hang on. I need. To, how do I turn it off? Do you, you know the funny thing about that is that when someone buys you something, even if you don't like it, you feel obliged to wear it. Well, I did ask her if it was a joke when she, <laughs> when she gave it to me because I was like, I would never buy. I would buy this for someone as a joke, hundred yeah. percent. But it, it's so it's very nice. But you know. I've been married 16 years this year, so that's how old uh, this was. So I had to buy myself an Audi, but I bought it and then I'd had it a week and I spilt wax on it. Oh, no. (laughs) So do you know how to get... Do you know how to get wax out of a carpet? Like if you spill wax on the carpet, do you know how to get wax out of it? Brown paper and an iron. Yes, brown paper and an iron. Guess what? An Audi is not carpet. (laughs) <laughs> because it's 100% polyester and Audi is basically made of cling film that's what that's made of <laughs> so I said oh that's what I'll do I'll get some brown paper out and the yeah. iron I'll put it on a low setting because I'm not stupid <laughs> and I put the iron on it and I was like oh yeah that's working you could see it spreading as it does when you do it with carpet and I was like cool and then I peeled the took the iron off peeled it all away and it just it was just a big hole basically <laughs> i've had it two weeks so yeah so, <laughs> okay well yeah, don't do that yeah, i thought do- i was so smart it was like i went from very smart to very dumb very quickly i was like yeah. oh i know how to do fix this and then nope yeah. There, yeah there's a whole episode in there um maddie about you know like what not to do yeah you know home fixes that you shouldn't try yeah i know but i thought i was being clever because I know how to get wax out of carpet, therefore Woody's like carpet. <laughs> but you've also taught me a lesson, which is if you get given an Woody that you don't want, there's, there's a way out. Of this. Yeah, you can just burn a <laughs> hole in it. Oh, I've got wax on it all over it. <laughs> yeah, I ironed it all off. Oh, my gosh. I love <laughs> I it. Just, but- I just made myself a brown paper Woody and that was just much easier. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to leave you guys to talk. Um, All right, no, before you go, before you go, let's do some cross-promotion. Okay. Cross-promotion? Go for it. Well, you're doing the promotion, so how's the podcast coming along? So we we had a chat, when was that, November last year? It's now nearly July. And I don't know, how long after that chat and after I put that out did you go, 
that was pretty easy. We can yeah. do that. <laughs> well, we talked about it even prior to that one I did with you because yeah. we found um, that because we would sit and chat for so long and like solve the world's problems and have all kinds of weird conversations with each other, we thought, why don't we record it? And also for posterity. So I love to blog as well, like, and that's more for my own memory than yeah. anything else. Um, but we thought this was just another fun way of doing it. And really, it's not for anyone else. It's for us, but there's yeah. people who've enjoyed it. So yeah, that, that's totally true. Yeah, it's just uh, recording memories. Mm. Um, and and things that <laughs> as as we get older and closer to <laughs> forgetting <laughs> yeah. whatever happened in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, but it's been lots of fun to do. Um, look, we haven't been that diligent. We kind of lost um, a bit of time because we moved house, and mm-hmm. you know that's sort of all consuming. And you know, so we yeah we we did another one just recently, but we were talking this week about. We're probably due to have yeah. again about some topic that you know we can get online. So I'm going to set you a personal challenge then. Okay. Oh. What would you like us to do the next one about? Oh. Okay. I. Oh. I think. Uh, I think the first question I want you to ask each other, maybe I'll ask you these questions now or this question now, but I always like uh, how much of our lives go on inside our own heads. Mm. So I guess what I want to talk to talk to you about or get you to talk about on your podcast that you have yet to name, you are bad at cross promotion. What is your, <laughs> pod- what is your podcast called? Uh, the Quincess and the Pom. Right. So we might get into that, the naming of that in a little while. But um, what I would like you to talk about is uh, what you think the other person is thinking. That's what I want you to get into. Oh, I reckon I'm, I'm much better at that than you. You're going to get me divorced before I've even been married. <laughs> it's one of my obsessions is like the amount of times where if I've got the shits with my wife, Mm. when i when i stop to think it's usually because i think she's thinking something right (laughs) it's just all in my head so that's what i'm always interested in is like how often do you do that when Mm -hmm. when is that usually around what does that usually signal about yourselves um also maybe split it up one half that the other half most embarrassing poop story (laughs) <laughs> oh wow. my god yeah so break it up break it up that that's, way you can decide which order to do it in but thanks everyone lo- everyone loves a good poop story and everyone's got one oh, yeah, at, least, at least one yeah i've i've got a cracker and <laughs> now, now i'm disappointed that I, now i've just wasted a great topic on you. <laughs> so it's the quincess in the pom you said yeah the quincess in the pom and where can we find that well, we've just posted it. We haven't actually put it up on any podcasting sites yet. So mm-hmm. um, we've just hosted it on a kind of like a blogging website for now. Um, yeah. The intent is to get it up on the podcasting sort of sites as well, um, but just haven't got around to that yet. No worries. Well, what I'll do is I'll link it. I'll link the podcast, your podcast, <laughs> onto my podcast page. I don't think that's going to help with listenership too much, you know, but yeah, you know, yeah. it'll work. Look, if people are interested, they, the, the first episode is um, a bit lumpy with language. Um, so <laughs> with language. Yeah. Um, so if people are particularly offended by the C-bomb, they should probably oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, the rest of it's like there's just a few fucks and shits, isn't there, yeah. in the rest of them? Like the rest isn't really like quite as full on. But um, we go through, we talk about the different levels of cunt. You know, like like Australian British style, like yeah. Yeah. You know, you've just destroyed his podcast right now. Oh, I'll just I'll bleep it out because that's offensive, and we are. (laughs) This is a high-minded podcast. We would very highbrow, very highbrow. Yeah, I've just suggested you talk about poop for as long as possible. We're very highbrow around here. Yeah, yeah. All right, so yes, listen to Quincess in the Pom. If you can find it, subject matter today. Um, I've got some recapping to do. That's all. I wanted to recap. uh, uh, I don't know what it means to you, Hannah, but your episode was 
possibly the most listened to episode oh, maybe really? ever. I believe so, yes. Wow. I wonder um, what that is. We won't go into numbers. It just sounds more impressive if it was just some... <laughs> The most listened to episode, but right. um, it was quite, it was actually notable. Yeah, Nick, who's in charge of the site, actually sent me a message that was like, uh, here are the numbers for this week. That's pretty cool. Wow, uh, yeah. Awesome. Oh, well, that's kind of cute. Yeah, I think, I know what we'll recap tonight is a, a couple of things. I think the fact that I think you shared it a lot and your dad shared it a lot, I think that uh, that helped as well. So, um, yeah, right. we appreciated that, that's for sure. So, but yeah, so I, gotta, I have a few things to recap because. It seems like you've packed a bit of life into the last <laughs> six or seven months of, of your life. Yeah, for I sure. Want, I wanted to go over that if we can. Yeah. yeah so you, you said you moved. We did. We did. So we bought a place um, at the end of last year. So we settled on this place probably around the same time that we did the podcast then because it was in November. Yep. Um, and we didn't sort of have an intention to move in straight away because we still had the girls with us. And we'd signed a lease for a pretty extended period of time. So where we were, so we thought, look, we'll just put some tenants in it and then we'll move in in 12 months' time, which should have been December this year. Um, But then our tenants, who shall remain unnamed, (laughs) um, decided in their wisdom, um, after already asking us if they could make some adjustments to some cabinetry in the kitchen, and we said no, decided to do something a little bit more drastic and remove a part of the cabinet altogether without our say-so. And we saw the first inspection pictures and we were like, no, this isn't going to fly. So what do you mean? What do you, what do you mean they removed a part of the cabinetry? Yeah, so the, there's, <laughs> <laughs> the cupboards around the fridge. Right, they gotcha. They basically removed right. everything around the fridge because right. they, their fridge wouldn't fit, which is huh. not entirely true because one fridge would have fitted, but they had two. So I don't gotcha. know. They've got, they had like one child who was six years old and the two parents and, um, and apparently one fridge isn't two, enough. Two fridges for. Yeah. I'm wow. like, drink a lot of beer or, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they did with the two fridges, but yeah. So they just knocked out the cabinet so they could fit the fridge. Now, I mean, that's what like buying a house is for. That's right. You know, and I know it's hard to buy a house in these times, but that literally that was the first thing I did mm. when we bought this house. Right. Was we came in because the kitchen was designed around the previous appliances. Right. Which is fine for the fridge, but for the life of me, I don't know why they did it for the microwave. Right. Because <laughs> those things are so different in size and yeah. that's weird. So we have a space in our kitchen which has glasses in it, but is meant to be where the microwave goes. But the one of the first things I got to do was come in and go, oh, that's not really going to fit the fridge. It's too low. Oh, I live here. I can just bash that out. <laughs> it belongs to me. Yeah, I could just bash it with a hammer, and that's what I did and got rid of it. It was great. But not when you're a tenant. Wow, that's pretty brave. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I don't know how they thought we wouldn't notice um, <laughs> in the inspection pictures. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, and also on top of that, it kind of gave us a bit of an excuse to move sooner because, like, the girls, both of the girls have moved out now. So right. Austin's now 20 and studying at uni in Newcastle. Yeah. Um. So she's she Good moved uni. back. Yeah, that's right. I believe that there's a lot of very intelligent people who have been to that university. Very, very smart. Yes. Very smart cohort forever. And uh, and Boz um, is studying a, a Bachelor of Communications. Yep. Um, and so she's living on campus up there, but she's actually away, away now. She's left the country to go and work in a summer camp in the States. Ooh. So she went on her first long-haul overseas plane trip on her own, um, which was good. How yeah. long? How long? Is that for the entire summer? Like yeah, please. yeah, she's gone for five and a half weeks. Oh, cool. Before you go too deep into that, you, yeah. need, you need to tell the light switch story. Oh, yeah, the tenant light switch story. That's a good tip. <laughs> <laughs> he can st- leave, tell Matt to stay and he can just, you know, it's like having a producer. I know. Don't forget to mention that story. He's he's actually he's actually my agent. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Don't forget. 
That's <laughs> right. Get you to know, ask her about these. Oh, okay. No, there's a light switch story I've heard about. Tell us a little <laughs> more about that, Hannah. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like the most exciting story you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> See, this is why we podcast because we do shit like this together mm-hmm. all the time. So, um, yeah. So when the tenants did first move into our place, we sort of had a bit of an inkling that they were a little bit dickheads because. Um, we got a call from the real estate because they were called over to be told that some lights downstairs weren't working. Um, and so they came over and checked it out and they they said, what, these outside lights? I'm like, yeah. She pulled back the curtain. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she said, did you try this one? And they were just like, no. And then he systematically went around the house with her and said, but this one's not working. And she goes, did you try that light switch? <laughs> so, like, she literally went to every room of every light switch to make sure that they knew which light switch was for what. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we were dealing with, basically. I mean, you're kind of dealing with people that you you wonder how they actually manage basic hygiene. <laughs> yeah. They, oh, that's weird. Uh, we don't know. Oh, well, what does that one do? Oh, we haven't tried that one. We just yeah. assumed yeah. this one, if it didn't work, then nothing. Oh, that's really weird. Yeah, I know. So, um, yeah, so back to Boston. So she's in Pennsylvania. She's gone for five to six weeks. Um, and then Jamie, my eldest, has moved out with her boyfriend. She's 20, she'll be 24 um, in August. Yeah. So, So yeah. what's that like? What's that like? I always talk sure. about how exciting it'll be when my children move out, but maybe yeah. the reality is a little different. Um, I, I, like, I, I see and hear enough from them that, you know. Right. Often it's to ask us for stuff, right, or money. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they, um, yeah, they're, they're around enough that I don't, I haven't really had a chance to miss them yet. I think right. the only time I felt a bit like my heart was a bit sore was the morning of Mother's Day because oh, yeah. the first Mother's Day that oh. I've woken up without the kids in the house. I haven't thought about that. Yeah, that's sad. But, I mean, I saw them, like, in the day. They, yeah. they were all over for lunch. Mum was with us, my brother, my sister. So it's not like I didn't see them at all. It's just like that morning kind of, you know, when they bring you a cup of tea or a coffee or, you know, a donut or whatever, it, you know, was the. Yeah, the right. Was. So the holidays, like Easter would be the same and all of those mornings. It, no matter, it doesn't matter that they're, you know, not out looking for what the Easter bunny bought, but it does. Yeah. All right. I get that. Yeah, yeah I find but- like, I like talking about how my children are going to leave and how excited I'll be, but already now, like if one of them's away for the night, it's really boring. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. offense partners and such, but yeah. that, that wears off. I can tell you. Yeah, I bet. I bet. This is amazing. I think the funniest thing was, and um, I know that Matthew would give me permission to tell this story, is that the <laughs> first time we knew that both the kids had moved out proper, you oh, know, yes. the house to ourselves, I said to him, you know, you can run around the house naked. Yeah, naked. Plenty more yeah. naked time. Yeah, because, like, obviously Matthew's the step-parent, you know, like he's oh, a yeah. biological father, and so therefore there's that whole, like, you know, respectful, like he wouldn't even walk around in his underwear. Like he was just super respectful. And yeah. so he looked at me, like we were in our office at the time. He looked at me, stripped stark naked, yeah, ran around the house. Did some lunges. Did some, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> lunges. Yeah. And lunges is a dirty word, isn't it? <laughs> naked lunges is nobody wants to see that. No. No gender. Doesn't matter. Yeah, no. that's right. So no, um yeah, so and then he came back with a very um a very accomplished look upon his face and politely put his clothes back on and went back to work. <laughs> so yeah, so there are yeah. some good things. There, I mean that that didn't bother me so much. I'm I like, did. We did like break that news to our children that before they came along, there was a lot more just naked walking around the house, and they're like, right. "Really? Like, yeah? Why would you? Why? It's great. You used to do it all the time when you were kids. Yeah, all the time." Just- <laughs> Yeah, it's nice just to like just not worry about like who's coming and going you know not that it was a a, like a really hard kind of interference it's just just other bodies around and it's when they used to come back sort of like maybe for one or two nights be like this place is noisy now you know like just (laughs) and they weren't making like they're not banging toys and you know stuff that they do when they're kids but just like you hear the toilet flush and it's like what's that Oh, that's right. There's people there. Yeah. It's sort of management too. Like you're, it's managing 
everyone's going to yeah. be t- at the same time. If you all want to eat together, all that stuff goes away yeah. pretty quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, exactly. Oh, this is much easier. Yeah. What time? What, what are we going to eat? I don't know. Yeah. Are you hungry? We, nah. <laughs> we transitioned the girls um, from cooking for them long before they left the house, though. Oh, that's a good idea. Cooking for we, them. Yeah. They. Do you, do you know how that worked out? KFC shares <laughs> went up. Right, I bet. Yeah. Well, well, we're cooking for we get whatever we want. Yeah. Oh, God. Look, I, I just said to them, I'm not going to put your board up this year, but I'm not cooking for you anymore. It was just too challenging. The timing and the fussiness and the, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I'm done. Um, That's a good actually, idea. When I, when I say I'm done, Matthew was probably more done because <laughs> more than I do these days. Yeah. Um, but right. yeah. I, I remember, uh, I think I did a, a prac, must have been fourth year fourth year uni and I actually had to, it was at Henry Kendall so just down the road from Gosford High yeah and um I had to go and live at home for I don't know four weeks right and that was an experience because <laughs> you know I'd lived out of home for two years or something and then I had to back at home for four weeks and it was mum would buy oh I've made dinner and I got six o'clock dinner dinner's yeah. not at six anymore and she's like when's dinner I don't know 9.30. So she would make it, of course. She would make it and then I would just have to heat it up at 9.30. Yeah, right. Wow. Oh, how can you eat at 9.30? I don't know. I'm up till 2. Like, <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What's the most interesting challenge you think you have with the kids that you've got at their age right now? Ah, uh, that's a good question. So they're 13 and 10. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, probably my eldest is, I don't know, she's sort of come out of the teenager, like, ego monster. Mm-hmm. That sort of seemingly has ended. She's a lot more self-aware and a lot more thoughtful of those around her. She still annoys her sister and stuff like that. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, it's probably any time, and it, it hasn't changed for a long time. The hardest thing is if something's happened at school that's upset them um, with friendship groups and yeah. things like that, and you can't really do anything about it. And, you know, and especially as a teacher, like sometimes they come home and they're even saying this, it doesn't really happen much anymore either. My youngest has a group of friends at school who never have an issue, are always having fun together. They're always up to no good. Yeah. Whatever they're doing, it's just like, you know, oh, what are you doing in the holidays? Well, we thought we'd get together and play Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, so I don't know. It's it's kind of nice at the moment, but the, I guess that's the biggest problem. But even then, like Violet's in year eight, all the stories she comes home with are other people's stories. Like they're very rarely her stories. Yeah, right. So let's touch wood. It's it's yeah. quite a nice a nice time. I, I guess it, the thing that really gets me, and it, this is the we're recording this. There's one day left of the school term, and as a teacher and a right. parent, it just shits me the organisation of a week when they've got sport or training and all mm. of that stuff. The routine by the end of the term, I'm just so over it. That's yeah. probably the hardest thing is just how much the routine just gives me the shits and then I just take it out on them. And yeah, again, it comes down, it always comes down to like managing yourself, but we're, <laughs> we're pretty lucky with the way that the, the girls are going. It wasn't always that way with the eldest. The youngest has always been pretty delightful. Okay. That's good. Um, but the eldest has always been a bit more work in terms of intensity of mm-hmm. emotion. And yeah. but that's sort of calmed down as well. Okay. Time to time. Do you know what it's it's been really interesting uh, moving into a different country eight thousand miles away? Yeah, uh, adopting two stepdaughters in effect. Yeah, right. And <laughs> and watching how Hannah parents and just trying to learn from that because prior to that. I was barely capable of keeping myself alive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's when you have children of your own, that, that's the instant shift of happens that when you have a child, you're like, oh, all of this stuff. Yeah. I was so, like, cent- central to me and, like, my part in your partner. It's yeah. just all about you. And it's just like, oh, that's not important. None of that's important. We've got to keep this thing alive. 
yeah it's that never i guess goes away but I, what about as as a step parent cuz you've had to be their step parent when they were i don't know were they already i mean they were basically adults weren't they if they weren't yeah. already yeah, they they were uh 18 and 23 so 22 yeah 22. do you ever feel like like what you're doing is a, a parent or are you more like a counselor I feel like a parent. I, I feel right. I feel the responsibility right. and the level of care. Yeah. Um, as a counsellor, I'd be absolutely useless because <laughs> I, I make really bad life decisions. <laughs> no offence to present company. I know. I was just going to say, what am I then, right? <laughs> But it's been interesting because I obviously have like this history of a relationship with the girls and knowing, like I can look at them and know what they're thinking or if they're upset or, you know, like some of the yeah. the, the um, visual cues that you get. And like, you know, one day Matthew would be like, what's wrong with Boston? I'm like, nothing's wrong with Boston. She's fine. He's like, oh, I thought she was like upset or upset with me or upset with something. And I'm like, no, 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 she's just tired. You know, yeah. yeah, you just you know the little yeah the the subtleties, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um and like Matthew's done a, a brilliant job, I think. Um, I, I think anyone who takes on other people's kids, particularly yeah. my two girls who are hugely independent, very strong, yeah, uh, young women and um, big personalities at times. So what was the what was the biggest challenge? Well, I guess for both of you, I'm sure it was different. What was the biggest challenge at the start of your relationship? with that with that having to build that relationship or at least introduce Matt into that relationship what was the most challenging thing do you think um well look I think that I had this history of not introducing my girls to anybody that I had kind of dated at all until Matthew came along because I wanted to be absolutely certain that whoever I introduced them to was like kind of the one, like the one that was going to hang around for a really long time, you know. Um, And so I think the gravitas of that just them knowing that that was the way I operated, when I said I've got someone I want you to meet, they automatically went, oh, okay, so this is serious. Like this is somebody that's important to mum, you know, and they always just wanted me to be happy. Um, So that part of it was interesting. But I think probably the challenge for me is that juggling act between, you know, wanting to just make everybody happy. Like Matthew and I have spoken at length about lots of parenting things over Mm -hmm. time as we've been through this sort of transition. Um, But, you know, like that whole, I want to do what's right for my kids, you know, but, you know, if there's some sort of like disconnect happening that I know about that side or I know about that side, like you're kind of stuck in the middle. Yeah. Um, and I didn't need to be a peacekeeper though. Like there wasn't anything really major that we experienced, honestly. Like, and, and that probably is a lot to do with their age as well. Like if they were 10 and 13, yeah, it would be a different conversation, right? Absolutely. Um, but you know, because they were young adults, both had finished school already, um, that it, it just made a very big difference. Yeah. And mine, mine was a total fear of failing them. Right, because I didn't have a clue what I was doing, um, and all I wanted to do was make them happy. Right, and you know when when you've not been through the sort of two year old, three year old phase, and then <laughs> teenage phase, and you just you just get these two young adults in your life, and you, yeah. it's a very different scenario. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. It it was interesting to watch that unfold, and um, and like a bit of reassurance probably from my part for Matthew was like when they did like let their you know shitty behavior all hang out, he'd be like, "Why are they doing that?" I'm like, "That's because they feel comfortable with yeah, you." Yeah, like, right. This is actually, a good thing. I think we spoke a little bit about mm-hmm. this in one of the other um, podcasts, and if we didn't, I've listened to one you've done. You know, they do. They just give you all of this really shitty behaviour and that's their way of saying, hey, I'm comfortable with you. You're cool. I I know that I can do this and you're going to still love me. Yeah, I feel safe to be horrible to you because I know that tomorrow you'll still be here and be my parent and still 
feel the same way. You're yeah. Like, God, that's it's, a, it's a complete dichotomy, isn't it? Yeah. And that's that's a big that's a real big difference for my 13 year old is oh. that that still happens, but it's just far less of just I am just going to destroy everyone's evening <laughs> because I feel this way. Yeah. Um, it that sort of I don't know, maybe she's just got better at expressing herself and mm. she just tells us everything and yeah. a lot of times she'll just dump everything she has as soon as uh, literally as I'm walking in the door and I haven't what? taken my backpack off and I haven't gone to the toilet and I like <laughs> and I'll just I'll just sometimes have to just sit there for like, you know, the other day I sent a text to Justine that said like I'm into minute 14 of Violet ranting about every single thing that happened in her day. <laughs> I really, I can't, I don't know how much longer I could stand it. It was just, this yeah. happened and this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. This is annoying and this person's annoying. And, oh, and like, oh, okay. So you that, actually get, get your phone out of the pocket and start to time it. No, but I was pretty sure, like, <laughs> Jesus, I just, I haven't even, like, I've been sitting here a long time. The the light has changed in the room. That's that's the <laughs> kind of sign, like, I'm going to have to put a light on soon because it's getting dark. Yeah. So she, yeah, but like, that's just been a bit, she's always been like that, but it used to be she would come home and just be full of rage and anger and, or emotion, but not be able to just say, this is what happened, this is what happened. Yeah. Um, and I think that was because if she told us all the things her friends were doing, then we would say, stop hanging out with that person um, mm. and all that stuff. But now she can tell us all the things that are annoying about her friends. And I can say, like, oh, your friends seem to annoy you a lot. And that's, <laughs> that's the extent of it. Like, just yeah. to be like, you realize you talk about how much this person annoys you. Mm. Um, but it's all just unloading. She just likes to unload. Whereas my 10 year old does the opposite. And that's probably harder. Yeah. Um, strangely enough, that's probably harder as they get older. Is the ten-year-old mm-hmm. just holding it in mm-hmm. and, and us saying, "You can talk to us. It's okay. You can tell us. I don't know what's going on, but something's wrong." And eventually, it'll come out, and you'll be like, "You can't just hold it in." Yeah. And I think she grew up in a house where her sister got all of that sort of rage attention. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> So maybe, I mean, maybe that's reading too much into it, but that seems like that could be more of an issue, which is yeah. horribly surprising, you know, <laughs> down the track when you had it, when we had an eight-year-old that we were like, oh my God, yeah, what do we do? How do yeah. we, how do we contain the wildness, the wild beast that we have? Yeah. Um, yeah Mind the quiet you, one is the issue. I was, I was, I internalized a lot. Like that yeah. was me growing up and yeah. uh, and I, I don't, there was nothing particularly wrong. It's just that I like to be a bit more considered in my own thoughts rather than, like, don't get me wrong. You've heard me. I can chat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, and I am an open book and I do tell a lot of things to a lot of people, but I think the really deeply important things, particularly growing up, probably I yeah. internalized a lot. I turned out all right. Yeah. I mean, she's really complex. Like she's a beautiful person and we tell her like that she's a beautiful person and she's awesome. But I think that it puts, pressure on her to be awesome and beautiful all the time so if she has negative thoughts about the people at school yeah. she doesn't really want to tell us or if she's feels negative about something then yeah. i don't know if i need to, if she tells us then we'll won't think that she's awesome like it's that kind of level of stuff that yeah. kids do that now we're going to have to sort of untie all these knots mm-hmm. and say look you're allowed to be you're a person yeah who is allowed you're a great person who's allowed to get the shits with yeah. things and because she'll do that with a sister like that's the easy part yeah just yeah. to like lose it at a sister and just be really sassy and yeah you know that's quite entertaining that's just yeah. the sibling stuff and violet today said oh noelle's really pissing me off at the moment like, oh yeah i can't help you it's, that's what that's what's going to happen for the rest of time until you probably until you move out you'll just yeah annoy each other from time to time one of the just, interesting things about parenting that I've learned in my very limited experience is that um, parents are infallible so right. you don't you don't always make the right decisions you try to yeah but you don't always get it right and you've mm. got to accept that mm. yeah but the kids are the, this, when do the children don't accept that until they have children <laughs> like that's the hard part is that you just Growing up, you're like, oh, my parents tell me how to act and how to be. I, I see it as a teacher of, you know, 17, 18-year-olds. A lot of them are 
you know, it's that cynical age where they've just realized my teachers tell me this, my parents tell me all this, how I should act, how I should be, how I should behave, all these moral codes. And then they've broken them and they do horrible things and they do the wrong thing. And so what do they know? They're all full of shit. Yeah. And that's, that's a very easy, it's much easier to do that than to be like, life is hard and you have to work at it. It's much yeah. easier to go, everyone's full of shit and life is shit. That's, yeah. that's usually what comes of that, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's fair. Until you work out like, oh, like my parents, yeah, didn't do everything right, but they tried to do everything right. Yeah, that's some, it. Sometimes you just can't. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's, I've, I heard a saying once that said um, there's no one perfect way to be a parent but millions of ways to be a good one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. And and a lot of it's day-to-day stuff too. Yeah, that's right. And again, like as as a parent, you can't control the things that your kids will hang on to, mm-hmm. you know, like the things that they'll throw back at you later in life or the things that they'll they'll tell their friends and their partners about like i remember this one thing that happened my parents said this or they did this that Mm. you can probably think of with your own parents but your parents have no recollection of that that was just a tuesday to them and that was yeah that's right you know a conversation where they were just annoyed and had you know they were just annoyed and they said something and it just it's the same like the things that bullies say to you at school that that stick with you that I don't know if you ever yeah. saw that person again and you brought it up, they'd be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's like, right. Oh, I've carried that around for all this time. And they're like, That's oh, right. I, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. I mean, there's yeah, well, unless a lot of they're stories. an absolute asshole and yeah. just continue to be so. And there's um, a lot of stories where people confront their parents and say, This is what happened. And their parents are like, That didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that didn't happen. And you're like, No, oh, okay. <laughs> hey, I think we were talking the other night about, um, bullying school and how when you're say 14 15 and you're behaving this isn't me by the way but when when someone behaves like an absolute asshole to you yeah and you you think you're gonna hate them forever and then you see them in the pub 10 years later and they're like yeah, I, I wasn't the best behaved human, was I? <laughs> That's right. Like, you've grown up. Yeah. Yeah, you got a bit of perspective. It's not important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Like, yeah, I should have just been nice to everyone. Yeah. And that, that's hard. Like, I've, I've said that to students, especially if they've been bullying others. And, mm. and you're like, do you want to, in 10 years' time, I hope you, like, grow to be a better person. Mm. But in 10 years' time, you're going to think back on, like, what you just did and you're going to be like oh you get a wince you're going to just it's really going to affect you i hope that's what happens i hope you grow to be a good enough person where i said just how about you don't have any more of those moments that you're going to look back on where you're just mean to people for no reason like it's just not not worth it you don't really get anything out of it nothing long term and then later in life you're like oh why don't i do that i mean no that happens to me like i was like, I don't know, I was, I was, I think, quite unpleasant at high school or I could be unpleasant year seven and year eight. Yeah. I think I, and I see it all the time and it's one of the hardest things is, especially as an adult where you look at this behaviour where, you know, like I didn't want to get bullied so I just joined in with the bullies to bully, bully other people. Like that's what I did. Like why, why would you do that? Oh, well, so I'm not getting bullied or... Last week you were in this office complaining that you were being bullied and now you're in this group bullying someone else. You're like, yep. Yeah. That bit's easier. That was much easier to be in a group yeah. bullying someone. Like that kind of stuff is just, yeah, it's it's a, it's so tricky to navigate. Yeah. And when you look back, you're like, wow, oh, that's such an arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be. No, you don't have to be. And um, you should just be like, be kind to people, you know. I mean, I remember talking with you and when I listened back to the last podcast we did, I couldn't believe how many times I spoke about kindness and being kind. And yeah. I mean, it is our mantra, our life's mantra. So you, you were, you were, I mean, you seemed, especially at high school, that seemed to be you then. Mm. That's rare. Yeah. That's rare at, at high school. Or maybe it's not rare. It just is not, it's not, it's not noisy. That's not attention. That's not attention grabbing. That's not where the action is in 
yeah. in a high school playground is. Let's go and hang out with those kids being kind. <laughs> see what's happening over there. We're bored. Let's go and see what the, what the kind people are doing for other people and join them. Like it's yeah, that's the, the difference, right? Yeah, kindness is a quiet whisper. Oh, I think it's it's not um it's not something that's big and bold and brash and you know yeah. it's because kindness often is unseen. You know, like it's the times that you pay for the coffee for the person behind you and they don't know who you are. You know and you're dropping meals off to, you know, a new mum who is not getting any sleep. You know, these are that it's very unseen. Yeah. Um, so, but so important. And and that's just because I had great role models, right? So yeah. I can't like claim to any of my wonderful qualities that anyone might see in me because it's not, they're all learned behavior. They're not some of it might like you've got to reinforce with yourself and continue to be that way, obviously. But I credit my parents, yeah. um, all three of them to, um, you know, to, you know, the kind of person I've turned out to be. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I also think this, this is not a sexist comment at all, but <laughs> never start a sentence with that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What I'm about to say is not sexist, but, but um, and go, Matt. <laughs> I am going to differentiate between sexes. Okay. At that age in high school, the difference between boys and girls is quite dramatic because mm. as a bloke, you'll you'll see some guy like punching a wall and think, I want to be his friend. <laughs> Just because he looks like he's gonna be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're right. That's not a sexist comment, but it's very, uh, very illuminating as to what kind of child you were. Because <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't my experience. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yes, the the person, the chaos person. But I don't think that's true. I think the the chaos is attractive in, especially junior high school for for both the boys and the girls. It's just different. Like you said, the, the boys tend to be more physical with it um, and the girl. I mean, the girls are physical as well, but it's more just the, we, you can see it's like a hurricane building. The, there's one person in the middle and all these other people spinning around them, following yeah. them around the playground, starting rubbish. Um, but the boys do it just the same. It's just that they, yeah, they, they tend to have a bit more physical um, mm responses or just be more physical in there in yeah. just more active in their yeah. energy levels but yeah you're right like I know what you mean it's like oh that person over there they and Violet and Violet that's the thing in Violet she's 13 and she's a very well-behaved young lady but she likes to just see what the bad kids are up to like right. vicariously through them and they did this and you know she judges <laughs> them harshly for it but I right. know I see you see it all the time they're like oh that's Oh, they're dangerous. Danger is pretty <laughs> exciting at that age. Yeah. So that takes it to a different level. And we're starting to talk about emotional intelligence now. Yeah. Mm. Really. Yeah, and absolutely. I would I would love to see if there are any stats that plot young men and young women's emotional intelligence. And I, I suspect the men are somewhat far behind <laughs> yeah i mean that's that i mean i don't know the, the science behind it but it tends to be generally that physically and mentally i think girls mature faster than the boys do mm. um just generally and you see it at school all the time i see it because i only teach year 11 and 12 so it's 17 18 and what mm. tends to happen is boys turn up to what's called college in canberra and they're still acting like high school boys but the girls have already moved past it. So they, they're like, we're in a different setting. Mm. That, well, that's weird. That's boring. And that, that's usually a shock to those boys. It's like, oh, really? Oh, okay. Like that happens usually early in year 11. Probably extends longer now. But mm. it, that's, you do notice it. It's like, it's people are like, yeah, we don't, we're, no, it's almost like that, like a performer. <laughs> just people are like, no, yeah. no, we don't want that. And they're like, oh, I've got to change it up. Like, it was fine at high school. I was, yeah, I was punching walls and people were yeah. getting on board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted, we were, talk, we were talking about high school. I, I wanted to, I, I don't know where this is, will lead, but after we chatted last time, yeah. you made it your mission to dig up the year 12. So this is yeah. 1996 
when we graduated, our year 12 yes. video um, that I featured in very quite, <laughs> quite significantly. Quite heavily, yes, myself yeah. and Richard and Stu uh, basically spent a lot of the year recording stuff. Yes. Um, and yes, what? And you digitized it? I digitized it. It's. Do you know? Um, I can't remember where I put the USB that it was on. It was in one of the tellies before we moved. Yeah. Um, I do have a DVD of it somewhere, but I don't have a <laughs> DVD player anymore. No. So, so how long do you, did you think it had been since you watched it? Had you ever watched oh, it? Ninety six. Ninety six. Right. Got it. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was so interesting to watch though because. Um, First of all, I'm not sure why my voice was so high pitched. Like that's <laughs> one thing, right? Um, that's crazy. I, I pretty much every time a camera was put in my face, I made a little bit of a fool of myself by getting my words mixed up. That hasn't changed, really. <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but there were so many faces. I saw. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like I'd forgotten about that person. Mm-hmm. Or um, I and on honestly because as you now know, my memory's absolutely ridiculously bad. Yeah. I'm watching videos where I know I must have been there because these are like kind of yeah. events because um, I was a joiner. I was a part of everything. Yeah. Um, I have no recollection of being there at all. You know, I'm watching this like it's the first time I'm seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true. But a lot of times because, uh, you know, I have a pretty freaky memory, but because yes, of that, do. because of that video, my memory is now the video. So right. the memories I have aren't really like I think of the athletics carnival and there's video of me running in the athletics carnival and all that stuff. I don't really have a memory of that, but I yeah. it's my memory is watching that. So that's quite weird. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it is that, like the there's even the drama performance stuff. Like, you know, there's there's us doing drama performances. I yeah. I my memory is now watching us do it rather than be on stage. It's very strange when that happens. I was watching um, because we spoke about the, you know, the who will buy this wonderful paper. paper. Yeah, I'll take three. I need a good read. Oh, my God. I can't wait. to. I could do the whole song. But anyway. Was I in that? Yeah, I think so. Why? I I feel like I was. But when I looked at it, I'm like, I don't know which one is me. Like, I, I always assumed it was you and Sally Jane, Emma June, yeah, and someone else. I'm pretty sure you're in it, but I don't know. But do you know, like, the, it's it's a VHS copyright. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's not Dark great lighting. It's, yes, it's spotlighting on a stage. And That's you're right. It. Never yeah. And look, as, as good as our camera equipment was back then, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was sitting there and I, I literally paused it a couple of times going, this is sort of vaguely familiar to me, but um, is that me? I don't know. Like, and who are these people? I gotcha. Now, I just wanted to point out, and maybe I'll cut this out because for obvious reasons, but there was a decision made 25, 26 years ago, uh, which we, when, when uh, Stu and Ellis edited the video, so they had to put it all on one video and then take it to this place and they made multiple copies of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they filmed the whole thing, they made the whole thing, and then they had the end credit sequence, but then there was a gap, and then there was footage from someone's party where there are a lot of drunk people there, very drunk. I think it was like year 10 or year 11, and people were very drunk at this party, and so they had that filmed, and they'd saved it at the end like as a hidden bit of footage. But even though they told the person editing it, well, there's a bit at the end, keep it running. He did not put that on the extra footage. <gasps> and so there is a person in that footage who is now a member of federal parliament. <laughs> right. How very interesting. Yeah. So that we could have had, you know, a whole 100 and however many people bought that video had access to... <laughs> Yeah, a, a current sitting member of parliament. It could um, have changed the trajectory of their career forever. <laughs> well, right? we could certainly be blackmailing people. I'm sure it wouldn't. <laughs> no one's going to lose. No one's going to lose votes by being like, when you're in year ten, you got or well, year eleven, you got very drunk. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. 
Yeah. Like that recent um, article that came out about, oh, who was it? And they smoked weed or something. Yeah. And it was really, and then everyone made jokes about it. I can't remember who it was now. See, memory. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it was Grace, Grace yeah. Tame, wasn't it? Oh, yes, that's right. It was. Yeah. yeah and I'm, she was right. like, yeah, I did. Cool. Yeah, that's right. And then all these celebs came out in support of her with like a joint in the hand saying, I smoke weed like Grace did. Yeah. I wish I could be more like Grace. You know, it's just like, wow. Yeah, we're not, it's not the 80s or 70s it's not like people no. are, oh, oh my god that's oh, right terrible well you know there might be photos somewhere in in my house that are uh, equivalent i don't know why i still have them i really should right. I think well look i know i didn't attend any parties at all um i certainly wasn't a drinker <laughs> no, I of course. Coming to our after party uh, yeah. And showing up with my, who was my fiance at the time. That's right, yeah. Because um, we'd just been to the formal and I think I took a couple of, not Jack Daniels, what's that, Southern Comfort and Coke cans. Yeah, grand old drink of the South, that one. I, that's right. And then I had one drink yeah. and then I went home and that was it. You're so rock and roll. I'm so rock and roll. So rock and roll. Well, I, I remember I had to play cricket the next day. So I know I, I don't. I, I did, certainly didn't drink too much, hmm. but I know I barely slept and then I had to go and play cricket for seven hours or whatever the wow. next day. Not great. That's brutal because, like, when you're hungover and in the heat and standing out on a field, like, did you vomit? No, no. Like, I wasn't I, – I certainly didn't get – like, I wasn't like, oh, I'll get wasted. Like, I was sensible in the drinking because oh. I had to play cricket, but I literally may have slept 30 minutes. Right. And so that was a long day just standing <laughs> in the field in the sun. Just like, all right, if I sit down, I'm going to fall asleep. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pushing through. There was a lot of that happening for the next, you know, for the the next four years was just like, oh, I haven't really slept. I've got to go and play cricket or touch football on a Sunday morning was particularly grim. (laughs) That was only like a, you know, it's a 40 minute game. So, yeah, yeah. You could could easily turn up for an eight o'clock game on a Sunday morning, definitely without sleeping. That That was a regular occurrence for us. Yeah, um, right. and there were a few times. Yeah, people would, you know, score a try, go vomit in the bushes, and get back on the field. That was yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway, anyway, I wanted. I won't keep you much longer. Oh no, you're fine. Oh, I I know, I know, but I I uh, I got stuff to do as well. It's, do you? Know, you? You have to well, live life and stuff. I gotta go live life. We're we're also like renovating the bathroom, so where I'm recording is next to the only bar- usable bathroom, so right. people need to showers and all that boring stuff, but. Um, I wanted just to talk about your dad a bit more because we cool. talked about him last uh, in the last podcast about um, having to come out as gay to you and what that did for the, your family, but also for the church community. And earlier this year, and I think mm-hmm. I did my research here, you went down to Bundadina, is that where it's Bundina, called? Bundina, yeah. Bundina in... Uh, in the Christian community, you went to Bundina Christian community. Correct. Um, you went down there, and I remember because you were posting all this stuff, like, "Hey, we're down here having breakfast. Hey, look at the yeah. beautiful view, and all of this stuff." But why were you all down there? Yeah. So, um, Dad's story um, about sort of um, becoming a Christian, I suppose, um, he was put into this rehab center, essentially an ex-gay program. They call them. Um, right. So when, you know, they pray the gay away um, and they, you know, want to deliver you from your sins of homosexuality. Uh, and this program was was one of those. And it was a very brutal, a very damaging um, time for my dad. So this was well before he'd met my mum and had hoped to go there with some, you know, uh, promise of the future of being able to be a, a very happy, straight Christian man, right. which obviously didn't happen. He was treated very poorly. So um, when you say when you say brutal, do you mean like literally like physically brutal or were we just emotional? I mean, not uh, really. it was more emotional. Um, yeah. they, they did an exorcism on him when he was there. Um, you know, they would talk to them like they were just idiots. Um, they wouldn't let them look at... Um, like articles in the like advertising that had you know men's underwear um they were they weren't allowed to wear briefs they had to wear like longer underwear like they just humiliated these people there like it you know and my dad's quite damaged you know from yeah. there from his time there um but it's a it's an interesting 
um, it's an interesting story for its time because it was pretty much one of the very first ex-gay programs that um, existed in the world and he was a part of it. Um, And so the reason we were there uh, is because as a result of dad writing his autobiography, A Life of Unlearning, I have to say it like that because that's how my dad says it and I give him so much shit for it. (laughs) So I feel like this repetitious. My yeah. best-selling autobiography, A Life of Unlearning, yeah. um, uh, he he sort of started to reconnect with a lot of people from his past, including um, residents of this program. Um, and, and because Dad now works alongside Christian organisations to help reconcile their faith with their sexuality, um, he does often get calls from churches behind the scenes, um, you know, because they want to have a conversation about, look, how can we be a more inclusive church? Um, and he was staying down in Bundina for a while during COVID. He was offered a house to live in so he could get out of the city. Um, and during his time staying down in that area, somebody heard his name in a shop down there and said, oh, my gosh, I used to know Anthony Van Brown, blah, blah, blah. And this sort of started like a bit of a chain of events um, that resulted in him being put in touch with the the, um, the pastors of Bundina Christian community church and one of them i believe was also a resident um and she um yeah so she and dad and the whole board have been chatting and and they had said to dad look we want to make a statement that we want to be an inclusive church um and you know would you come and be a part of that um so it was really a very special time It, it kind of it didn't close the loop, but dad basically got the opportunity to tell his story of the moment that he was taken out of that program by his um, brother-in-law and sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and he stood in the same place, you know, that that this woman came running out to him and dressed him down in front of his, you know, his um, his family saying things like, you're the worst homosexual in the whole of Sydney and just like ripped him a new one, right, in front of his sister and brother-in-law. And so dad sort of retold some of that story um, while standing in the same place that this happened, um, which was really powerful, uh, very emotional, obviously. Um, but uh, but that, that's why we were there. And the, the church did a, a statement of inclusivity. They changed the sign out the front of their church to say we're an inclusive church. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was all kinds of, it's a very, very small community church because Bundina is like in the middle of nowhere, right? Yeah. Like, a, like a city. Um, takes a long way to sort of go all the way around to, to get there. But basically right opposite um, Cronulla. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you had to go down the south and back in. That's yes. right. Mm. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, so that that's what took us to uh, Bandina that weekend. So, what was that like for you? Uh, when I when I was thinking about that, what was it like for you? Did being in the in the same space mm. as, as his daughter? How how did you feel? Did it make you angry? Did you do? I always wonder with that. You know, it's about you know trying to heal and that kind of stuff. But I wonder for being you know his daughter and being removed and seeing what it had done to him. Was there any level of anger there or? Uh, Look, I think any sort of anger and angst that I have felt about any of his treatment um, happened when I read the first draft of his autobiography. So he'd done a first cut and he'd said to me, Han, can you just read over this for two reasons? Number one, anything that you recall that you think might be incorrect, I want to know about it. And secondly, I want you to make sure that your um, mum is depicted in a way that you know, is respectful and courteous and, you know, are there any things of concern in here that um, that you might see for your mum? So, yeah, so I read the first cut of it and I bawled my eyes out. I read for the first time about my dad being raped. I, I read about the first time my dad went to this program and was just treated awfully. He's time in um in very short time you know in army training um yeah and there was so many things up until the point that he met my mum that I knew nothing about until I read this um so yeah it was absolutely heartbreaking then and there are emotional times you know like but a lot of the emotional times are about my own personal experience because I have a gay dad or my own personal experience because I was involved in a church still and had a gay dad um, or any kind of interactions I've had where people don't share the same view as me. Um, mm. 
in the area of kind of like being inclusive and, you know, in diversity and stuff. But um, so the deep like emotion attached to that is not there anymore. Right. I haven't been for a long time. Um, but I'm always really conscious that that's not the same for my dad, you know. No, it's a lot of, <laughs> lot of scar tissue, a lot of healing, right? 100%. Dad's, dad's, you know, had his diagnosis of PTSD and I can completely understand why because of the things that he's been through. And I'm really conscious that these triggers and, and moments and this constant retelling of his story is draining, you know, mm. and it's a lot. And so I've often been in places with him as his moral support, like when he did You Can't Ask That. Right. Um, that's why I go to those things mostly with him. And also I love to be a part of anything he's involved in because he gets to do some cool shit. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I'm always really conscious of that. Yeah, great. Well, thank you. We might finish it there sure. on, a, on that lovely note of uh, understanding that you have for your father's experience. And I, I don't know, you know, you know, the fact that all these horrible things happen to him, I guess allows you to be even closer to him, right? Like you, yeah. how, how many of us know the, the pain of our, our parents' lives? As yeah. we were talking before, we tend to just want to get, money and kfc from our parents at, yeah that's right most for most of our life and yeah to actually listen and, and be there and see that uh, yeah. place of healing or attempted yeah healing. yeah it's pretty cool stuff well coming from a long line of oversharers um you know there's certainly a lot of information i know about all my family yeah right um, and um yeah we've all we've all just kind of been uh, open books with each other but i mean as as awful as it, it is as it is to hear some of your parents past that you didn't know about. Yeah. Um, it's really nice to be a part of that conversation now and, and just be helpful, you know, yeah. um, in any way, you know, not that I can fix anything. Um, I could egg some houses maybe if you know, <laughs> I know names and addresses. Yeah. But, right. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I would love to go back in time and uh, talk to you in high school and say, one day you're going to egg houses of places. <laughs> Full of rage. I'm sure you'd believe that. Yeah, look, I've got to say the 17-year-old Hannah, well, 13 to 18-year-old Hannah would not have considered that at all. Maybe. You think of any teachers that you might want to have egged? (laughs) Oh, only primary school. Only primary school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the one teacher I really did not like in primary school, um, he was awful to me, like so awful that I remember reading an old story from a, a like a creative writing book I had from primary school. Yeah. I'd written a story about this teacher and I'm not going to name names because if I say the name of the person, yeah. but basically I called him Mr. Pig in the, right. in the story mm-hmm. and I drew a picture of him with a snout um, and he was honestly, he was God awful to me. Yeah. And like when I read this story back, I'm like, why did my parents not see that yeah. I was like being treated really badly, like based on this story, you know? Well, and- that's weird. I nearly got, we nearly got banned from the formal in year 12 for, Calling a teacher a pig, so but we won't go into that. Controversial, but I have to wait. Do you know what's interesting is that I went to a restaurant recently um and I showed up and they and I said my name, you know, oh yeah, I've got a booking for Hannah Van Brown. And this waiter turned around and went, (laughs) I know you. Oh no. He said, I taught you in primary school. And it was this teacher and he was waiting on my table um and so it was like it's a weird experience it was and like it was unsettling because seeing him again um oh like just i I remember looking at matthew going babe i've got to tell you something like (laughs) like, this this is full on you know and and i I think it's interesting when things like that happen because it does just momentarily take you back in time to that point doesn't it but yeah anyway so that's my that's my teacher story so if anyone but I don't need to egg his house now because I know that yeah, he's wait like, he waited on my table and had to pour me wine. So like, it's great. <laughs> yeah, you do this, you didn't like say Zardas. No, no, no. You know what we should do? We should do a confessional podcast. Okay. The worst things that you did <gasps> when you were teenage. <laughs> I have to be anonymous. Oh, I, don't, <laughs> yes. I don't I don't have that many stories, I don't think. Yeah, I, I nearly don't... fell off a cliff. I can tell you one now, but yeah, maybe I'll, I'll ask uh, Stu to come on the podcast as well. But 
we used to go, you know, probably year eight, year nine, go rock roofs, throw rocks on the people's roofs and <gasps> and then run when they came out. And we were in Barawa and yeah. not and funnily enough, that's where Stu lives now. All right. Um, and I, I don't think it's too far from where we were. And we were at our friend's house and we're rocking roofs. And someone threw a rock and it must have hit the shed or something that, <laughs> and made a huge noise. And Ooh. we took off running, except me and Stu ran off in one direction. And the two people who lived in the area ran off in the other. And so we didn't know what to do. And so we just kept running and we were running, running, running. Uh, running through like a vacant block of land and we ran in running 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 at night in the dark and we both stopped and there was like a sheer like i don't know 40 foot drop it's like a block of land was obviously on a on a view and it just like went yeah 40 complete 40 foot we just stopped and went oh wow we nearly ran to our deaths wow (laughs) yeah so that's not the worst thing but jesus that was yeah, something you're like, well, it made me try and get our act together. <laughs> That's the epitome of a prank gone wrong story, isn't it? Yeah. Or like instant karma, some yeah. people call that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then the friends had to walk past the house and then, of course, the people that were in their car looking for them, the yeah. people who rocked their roofs and we had to pretend. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we saw people running off that direction. Yeah. <laughs> Why would we be walking past your house if we rocked your roofs? Yeah. That's dumb. We wouldn't. We're just walking, but we saw people running. Yeah, but I don't know. I I was I was a pretty well behaved young gentleman. A lot of like bad drinking stories, but right. nothing. Yeah, but anyway, I will come on your podcast and do confessionals for sure. All right, uh, let's let's do that. I've I've got one little very <laughs> brief story for you as well. Yeah. So, uh, in the middle of winter, when there was loads of snow in England, we climbed three thousand feet up a mountain and got to the top. And it was hard work. Yeah. And when we got to the top of it, there's this little plateau. And there's this guy there who's basically basically wearing work shoes. That's it. <laughs> Just he's he, he's dressed like he's got a blazer on. What? And, and, and trousers and leather shoes. And I thought to myself. How did you get up here? <laughs> That's so weird. What is wrong it, with people? It is so weird. But the 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 reason that I recall this story is because we walked to the edge of the mountain and we saw this slope and thought it would be a really oh smart God. idea <laughs> to just jump off it yeah. and slide all the way oh down to the God. bottom. Genius. What, that's, what ca- that's cartoon brain again isn't it that's like oh i've yeah. seen this yeah what what we didn't realize is that there were rocks hidden beneath the snow <laughs> yeah and we we got to the bottom oh, absolutely God. battered oh, <laughs> jesus that sounds, sounds horrible oh, i love yeah. the idea like the, the the idea of let's do this and then how soon into the downward <laughs> downward fall you go no oh, no there's no stopping oh dear i've made a mistake yeah, yeah. oh i may have made a mistake here <laughs> small error in judgment yeah yeah all right well i'll let you guys go thank yeah. you so much and thanks yeah. matt for hanging out and having a chat and um yeah that's it 